This is episode number 147, Establishing Conversations About Black Lives Matter, with Lachelle Atkins. Welcome. My name is Ola Glohid, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming Courageous Conversation. This is something that we started seven to eight weeks ago where we gather as a community and discuss a topic that matters most to our lives. These conversations take place through Zoom and are hosted at 9 a.m. Central Time every single Saturday. If you'd like to know more details on how to join any of these upcoming calls, go ahead and leave us a message through our website to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can be involved as part of this community. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. No, thank I feel you. like I've already been here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you sure have. You and I have shared a, what, two and a half hour conversation? Yes. Probably could have had the same exact thing if we did not hit record button on this. Um, two or three hours, I don't think we have a time limit for how you yeah. and I operate. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, well, you know, I think the the biggest reason why I wanted to have you on this show, in addition to having you share as much as you can about your own experience and the important work that you're doing due to it, is um, you and I started to talk about kind of the different things that are happening right now in today's world, mm-hmm. especially in this country, when it comes mm-hmm. to um, race and a lot of these other topics. And the thing that I shared with you prior to us hitting the record button is this concept of, I don't know where I don't know. And it's that right. conversation that I had with a friend of mine a couple of days ago, through which I was able to learn so much about how he lives his life mm-hmm. due to the color of his skin and how he, how he moves forward with a lot of that stuff. And for me at first, it was very eye-opening. And the reason why is because I almost had a hard time in, in like relating. I almost felt alienated because I, I didn't know so much of the life that he was living. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. I've known him for like seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, what I'm choosing to do moving forward with this platform and the things that we're building in regard to storytelling and shared experiences is I really want to create a space where we can have these deeper conversations about how does the color of your skin impact the way you live? Mm-hmm. What are you told by your parents when you go into that mm-hmm. first grade or when you get in trouble with the law, for example, mm-hmm. what is your perception of the police? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the fears that you walk out with? 
mm-hmm. the front door. And I think, in my opinion, the best way to do it is just it, start a dialogue. It's un- mm-hmm. Is it uncomfortable? Of course. What tough conversation mm-hmm. is not uncomfortable? So true. So true. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think one of the things that I'm learning just in my own life is, you know, I am proactive about evolving Mm -hmm. daily. And what I think about something today is not always the same thing I think tomorrow because my uh, goal is to get better every day, be a better version of who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for the ways that I can stretch myself and the people that I interact with. So, you know, we were talking about the whole thing with white privilege and, you know, you are not aware of certain things because it's not like somebody's going around saying, hey, you're going to get this privilege because you're white. It's just that was your reality that you Mm -hmm. were raised with. Right. And so I think there are so many instances that were so polarizing with things that you know, we make it about a bigger problem than just taking it on an individual level. So for example, you know, this situation, we're dealing with law enforcement. Why is it that one cop's action begins to be a whole mindset for a whole organization from one person? They have badge numbers Mm -hmm. that keep them separate you know, they represent themselves with the number that they hold. But why do we have this whole thing where it's like, it's all cops mm-hmm. based on one person's action? You know, we do this with some things and not with all things. You know, so if you have um, certain people that get involved in certain activity, we just have this mindset, well, everybody's like that. Where do we draw the line and see people for who they are as individuals you know Mm -hmm. i know there's like these um semi-tractor trailers that are on the highway and they'll say how's my driving this is my number on the back you know if you notice that they're doing anything wrong so we try to have that element of personal accountability but we distract and lose a lot of Um, value for people and things because we make it too much of a corporate mindset on things when it should be individuals and that I believe can perpetuate a mindset that's not healthy if that Mm. makes sense and that's a really good point I never even thought about it in those terms until you said that as far as taking case-by-case situations on an individual level rather than looking at it from the collective and, as you said, a corporate point of view as far as this is a problem with all police. And that's one of the things that I've noticed throughout even this time is the, the importance that some networks and people have pointed out in the concept of bad policing and how, how it has to apply to, every police department but at the same time i looked at it and i said is that really true though right you know because i we had this issue this was not the first time we've experienced a racial 
situation mm-hmm. that came to our knowledge, you know, within our household, uh, based on where we live. And um, one of my sons wanted to be a policeman. And so it's like, what am I going to do? Say, oh, well, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. You can't be a policeman because this is what's going on. So we got a dialogue with the policemen. We uh, hosted a dinner for them at the police station. And we had an open dialogue for our sons because it's like, if they feel led to do something, we need good cops out there. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. why does one person's action, I mean, if we had this, you got a lot of doctors who have a malpractice lawsuit. So we're just not going to be doctors anymore because, you know, this person didn't do something right. It's crazy. But we don't even think like that. We just have this, aggregate mindset about certain things and it's really not productive Mm -hmm. just that mindset alone is the problem yeah and i think so much of it goes back to questioning what you believe you know about any given circumstance any given situation i know that when you and i initially connected during that Mm -hmm. two and a half hour, which could have been five or seven hour phone call if we didn't have other (laughs) responsibilities and things in our plate. Oh, your phone was charged up, right? Exactly. (laughs) That um, one of the things I remember that I took away from that conversation was the, this topic that you and I explored as far as, um, and I even wrote this down, you mentioned, it's not that I don't see color. I choose to see character first. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was when in that conversation with my friend, it was the same exact thing. I don't see that thing as the first thing. I see the character. Mm-hmm. I see the person that he really is. And then I see the mm-hmm. connection and the bond that gets formed over commonalities and our differences. And then mm-hmm. I may see the difference in color and, and shape and size and whatever else that comes with it. And so I, I think so much of it just goes back to questioning like questioning what you believe is real. What is your reality? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are preconditioned thoughts and ways that mm-hmm. you were told to think and the things that mm-hmm. you were told to believe versus what do you actually believe? Like, what do you actually mm-hmm. think? And so I, I think in today's day and age, what I've learned is the importance of constructive self-expression. And that's choosing to express yourself based on how you truly believe and not so much on how others want you to believe. And I'll give you an example. On Tuesday, when there was the Blackout Tuesday Mm -hmm. campaign that launched, I remember initially I looked at my phone and I saw the different posts. And my Mm -hmm. first instinct was to repost. And then Mm. my second question that I had was, wait, do I even know what I'm reposting? <laughs> what, what, it, what level of thought am I subscribing to? What right. am I standing behind? Mm-hmm. Because what I also believe is that sometimes indecision is just as important as making the decision. Mm. Choosing to reflect and know where you want to go next is equally mm-hmm. as important as kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. 
And so for the next, I think, two or three days, I actually chose not to respond because I was still mm-hmm. formulating my response. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see the feedback that I received during those days from people mm. saying, you haven't said anything. Do you not stand for this? Do you not believe in that? And I said, you know, in all honesty, I'm still questioning what I believe in and mm-hmm. what I see and what I think. And that's, I think, a more important view through my lens based on my perspective is intentionally choosing what I subscribe to and where I want the world to go instead of going with the flow and not really understanding, is this doing more harm than good possibly? Right. Well, you know, what I even got from that just, uh, narrative right there is the fact that you are doing something different Mm -hmm. because it was noticed by other people and you educated them on your thought process which Mm -hmm. is different because had you done what everybody else was doing would they even have inquired to even be curious about what your stance was Mm -hmm. true that's very true probably not Probably not. And that's just the honest truth of it is I think in the differences or moments that appear to be different, that's when those questions come up the most. Mm -hmm. And And that's where I think we can move, really have a more productive conversation, or at least it it, it creates an opportunity for a conversation. Absolutely. And a dialogue about something that has meaning and impactful in the lives of those that know you rather than somebody else's agenda. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about, I don't really know the whole thing behind the blackout Tuesday. I just know it was like a solidarity. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to speak on it because I haven't studied it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the point is that whatever blackout Tuesday was, that was a movement in an agenda. And to refrain from that, became your own agenda and it Mm. was noticeable to the point to where you had a platform to share what your agenda was Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it that way movements with agendas and how they impact Mm -hmm. your actions and your thoughts and how Mm -hmm. even in a case like that it could have a very different direction moving forward And in reality, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious to know actually from your perspective, having lived the life that you have, when we talk about movements, what have you noticed Mm -hmm. in regard to relationship between having an agenda for a movement? And if so, what does that look like? Mm, That's good. Uh, I know I do have a movement. It's uh, I have a mental wellness movement based on my own experience in dealing with depression, Mm -hmm. you know, and my movement is based on educating self-empowerment. So the movement I have is smile, smile, choose happy is the hashtag. So smile has five pillars. Sorry about the background noise. You know, I have 15 kids. (laughs) They get crazy sometimes. Everybody's like, every interview is so quiet. Well, yeah, here's reality. (laughs) No, but um, so Smile has five pillars. And my story with my depression 
I was hospitalized three times during the course of 13 years. And I wasn't like in the bed. You know, I was actively doing things with my kids, soccer mom, PCO, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still not fulfilled. So each of the times that I was hospitalized, my husband sought intervention for me. And with my campaign for SMILE, it is five pillars that people really need to explore to make sure that they can check in with themselves for their own mental wellness mm-hmm. to recognize if they're on a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's your sleep, your mood, your inner voice, laughter, and energy. So any of those five areas, if you notice that there is like, hey, I'm dipping in here, I'm, you know, not really feeling like, you know, my inner voice is saying anything positive, you have your own way to be empowered to check for your own wellness in a way that you can be proactive and do something rather than be a victim or statistic of depression, anxiety, and stress. Mm -hmm. So in my case, you know, my agenda is to educate people to not be in a space where they have to depend on somebody else to let them know, you know what, you, you know, you're just, something's not quite right here. You know, mm-hmm. we should be in, uh, proactive enough with our own um, wellness to recognize the signs. But a lot of this is like, you know, like you said, those periods of self-reflection, mm-hmm. you know, you're just following the herd that herd mentality, and you're not even in tune with how you think about things. That was what my story was. You know, I got caught into what is the stay-home mom supposed to look like? You know, um, how are my kids supposed to be? You know, um, my husband's a pastor, so what's a first lady in a church supposed to be like? All these different levels you know, I had these standards that I just begin to question, are these mine? Or do I feel like I have to do them because of what society says? Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that space to even consider that. I just felt like, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, there is no room to question or reflect on that. Mm-hmm. I think you also bring up a good point in regard to time. And I love how mm-hmm. I find it fascinating how you didn't mention time as part of your agenda because it doesn't seem that it's forced as far as what you're doing Mm -hmm. and giving people the time to reflect and find their own insights and gain their own perspectives. In my opinion, it's one of the best things that could be done in this case Mm -hmm. of everything that's happening. And I remember the reason why, as I mentioned, I didn't join the blackout Tuesdays because I didn't understand what I was joining. And yet that felt that there's this need that like, you got to get on board now. And if you don't, you're, you're left out. It's like, wait, but that's not true. (laughs) What am I left out of, out of, what am I out on and an ability to express how I feel and what I think before I fully collected what those thoughts are. And so I, I think so much of it also boils down to, some agendas being built on time and Mm. it just makes me question if if the time is one of the variables when it comes to an agenda for a movement, how pure of, um, and how constructive Mm. of a thought are you going to get from those that are choosing to become part of that collective thought? Mm. 
And what is the change that's going to happen? I mean, if you kind of think about it, how we even got here and the number of years that have passed in between, and it seemed that we were kind of just going from one year to another without making bigger changes, once again, matter of perspective and and what change really means to you to begin with. But I'm wondering, is is that because time was part of the agenda? Like, we got to figure this out now. And if we don't figure out in the next month, we failed. Mm. And, you know, and another thing to add to that is who is making the limits on time? Yeah. Who's the decision maker behind that? What's there? Because if somebody's deciding that, who is that somebody? Mm hmm. You know, and some of these things, like you said, you know, it, this is just something to reflect on because we get involved in a lot of stuff. And as you kind of ponder certain things, you wonder, you know, how many other things have I been involved in and not really questioned, you know, what people's agenda, motivation were, you know, because it was just convenient to go with the flow. Sometimes it's, you know, and I just say, you know, in transparency, in my own situation, I have a Facebook group and we had a meeting, we have our weekly meetings on Wednesdays and they were like, you know, one of the uh, members, she was Caucasian and she really had a rough time this day. She said she had met with her therapist, but she is proactive about her own business and she just said she felt really compelled to do something you know she felt like you know there's something I should be doing and all this stuff and I said look you know what is it that's really causing that you know I said I'm African-American and I'm not out there protesting <laughs> you know what I'm saying because I mean just because somebody has a movement doesn't mean that that necessarily means you have to be a part of the movement, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, um, I think we might've discussed this too. And I don't know if I told you this, but I told her that I said, look, when I look at this situation that might be played on video about mm -hmm. this occurrence, about someone losing their life, I don't look at it as the face value. I look at it as that could be my son with his, uh, that's on the ground or it could be my son with his knee in his neck or whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. Because my kids can be a villain and a victim depending on what day of the week it is. You know, <laughs> so they're in the other room making a bunch of noise, but one of them could slap, slap the other one because they're angry. Mm -hmm. Now, am I going to love the one that slapped the other one any less than the one that got slapped if they're both my children and I love them both? Mm -hmm. Because that just really showed me that it easily, not to, I'm not trying to minimize somebody's life, mm -hmm. but I think what we try to do is really make ourselves to be heroic, identifying with the victims on things that are convenient for us. Mm -hmm. But are we really living out this reality every day? You know, mm -hmm. the reality is people, let's just take his position as being a police officer. 
you have a certain set of standards, rules, or whatever, everybody doesn't follow the rules. I mean, if that's the case, why do we need cops patrolling when we have a speed limit that's clearly identified? True. So the point is, people are going to do things on their own volition, regardless of what the standards are. Mm-hmm. So why do we have to have everybody responsible for that one person choosing not to follow the rules? Mm-hmm. You know, would it be fair for everybody to say, you know what, okay, this person on uh, 75, they were speeding. So because they're speeding, every driver is going to have to pay a fine on their insurance because we have this one person speeding. People just don't drive right. Mm-hmm. You know, they just don't honor the law. So now every driver has to pay. I mean, this is what we're saying about a policeman and about law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it that way, but you, you bring up a really good point as far as that story and that woman feeling like she needed mm-hmm. to take action when in reality it's, I mean, maybe even recognize that it's a problem is the first step. Tell it's me not about so it. much Have about take, it's not a, it, it, and that's the challenge is taking action, but where are you going to take action? What are you going to do? Right. What is the problem well, that you identify as the person to take action upon? So true. And I'm like, do you know, I said, us having this dialogue can be a big deal, Mm -hmm. you know, because how many times are you thinking, well, I don't want to say this, or, you know, you're thinking this, you kind of like have boundaries on relationships. Mm -hmm. I just noticed this. I, well, I used to, I try Mm -hmm. not to have that anymore, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, you know, we have an age gap. We Mm -hmm. have a gender gap. Mm -hmm. We have a color gap. But we're able to have a conversation based on what what are we trying to get out of the conversation? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? More Mm -hmm. so than, I mean, it's like those are just, those are variables that help us bring our experiences to a conversation that allows us to have a more enlightened, proactive discussion mm-hmm. the thing rather that rather than go ahead the thing that i enjoy about having a conversation with you is you really understand that words matter mm. and i could just sense that and i remember the conversation that you and i even had before during which we spoke about the current president Mm-hmm. And we kind of, when we when we're talking about this movement and agenda that people mm-hmm. have, it, it just made me think of the same thing. Here is a person that was given X number of years, and he has the chance to create whatever the movement, whatever the agenda. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I sit there and I say to myself, I don't have to subscribe to that agenda. It's not. Right those don't have to be the rules and the laws that I live my life by and treat other people by. And what I've learned through this experience is in regard to certain agendas and movements that are being built, the importance of questioning where you're actually going to put your time and the energy into 
B, what is the contribution that you're bringing to the table? What are the questions that you're asking? Who are you showing up as? And then the third part is, even if that person that's leading the quote-unquote pack doesn't perform to your standard, is he a bad person? Right. Because it's so much easier to connect the dots going backwards. Mm-hmm. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Going forward, I don't know what it is. You, yeah. There's no way of knowing. Everything's right. unknown about going forward. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there is also the importance of just creating a space and choosing to embrace every human being as a human being regardless of the actions they took, regardless of the events that they've happened in their lives. Because at the end of the day, they're still a human being. It's still a life. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and I'm just saying, we can be so polarizing about things to where would we even have the same situation going on if they if both people were the same color Mm. i don't know that's a really good question and you know so for me like you said earlier the reason why i say i see character first because god created both of them Mm mm-hmm So color is just a variation of the race. Just like your eyes might be blue, mine are brown. That doesn't define me based on the color of my eyes. Mm -hmm. So while we're looking at color, it's, it's really silly because it's just like, well, he had blue eyes and he had brown. We wouldn't argue about that. But so why is it, why are we arguing about the color of the skin? That's Mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or his hair was blonde. I wouldn't say, you know, well, his hair is blonde and that guy's was black. So what's going on? I mean, that's just, if you really begin to start, this is the way that I look at things simple mm-hmm. because I have children that I have to explain stuff to. Mm-hmm. So if a child can look at that and say, well, mommy, is it, uh, what if there's eyes was a different color or something like that? I mean, it's like once you really start getting into a dialogue, it's crazy what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So when you're able to see character, it's just like, you know what, they're both. That's why I use the example about my kids being the villain or the victim, because this happens in my household every day. And I have to be the one to say, look, this is what we're building on is the character. Are you going to listen to everything I do? No or everything I say, but there's going to be consequences with that. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a personal consequence. You could have two kids. One of them gets a spanking every week. The other one gets a spanking once a year, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's based on your own personal merit. And we forget about that. Mm -hmm. You have a really interesting way of teaching the world to your kids sounds like and I remember when I even initially posed that question to you one of the things that I found fascinating was how you choose to teach your kids about the world as it happens and and I think there's a big difference between teaching the world 
as a way of preparation and then teaching the world through the lived experience. And I'm curious to know what influenced that way of parenting. I think, you know, that's an evolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full transparency. Does that happen because, overnight? <laughs> Full disclosure. Yeah, I think, yeah. So I think I, and I just, my life is like two different worlds. It's like pre depression and post depression. Mm-hmm. Pre depression, it was that mindset that you know you have to do everything right you have to make good grades you have to see things through this lens you have to be a team player and you know it's all about the corporate and you know doing everything for the whole post depression I recognize that one I don't know everything you know before depression, I felt like I had so much knowledge, which is so crazy now. Like I didn't know anything, you know, but it's like, you just, you feel like you're your own powerhouse. You know, that ego was just there. Right. Mm -hmm. And after depression, it's like, who cares about an ego? Because everybody is dealing with the same challenges. We're all, for the most part, walking around here on eggshells, or we have on masks because we don't want people to see our flaws. Mm-hmm. And so we don't talk about the stuff that really matters. We have these superficial conversations, and nobody changes, and nobody is even challenged to be better because we're just doing what everybody else tells us to do. And then we go home, and we're beating ourselves up or not feeling fulfilled because we're creating this fictitious utopia that just doesn't exist and nobody's happy in Mm -hmm. so I think now post-depression it's like everything like if you don't know what you don't know like Mm -hmm. let's just take the president some of the things that he may say people may say they're racist or it comes from a place of privilege that was his reality for whatever case it may have been like so for you he may, you, you may not be aware that you had white privilege, and this might be something that is a revelation for you, whereas mm-hmm. he may have grown up knowing it, right? And mm-hmm. so it's something that he responds in a certain way because maybe he knew it, and now he's convicted about it being brought to life, and he's still trying to protect that because that's all he knows. Mm-hmm. So we don't really have the space, a lot of times, empathy or compassion to see things from the other person's perspective, to understand, to even come to the table to have a different outcome, if that makes sense. And every person's going to take their time in learning that, mm-hmm. as you described, mm-hmm. For me, recognizing one thing, for him, recognizing one thing, it's going to take different time to not only recognize what's happening, but what do you do moving forward? And maybe to him, that was the only world that he had ever known. And Mm -hmm. now it was shattered. Mm -hmm. And now he's got to figure out, well, what is my world moving forward? What are the values? What do I believe in? But he's also being put in a different position 
where the microscope is not on me, the microscope is on him. So true. And every crumb that he drops, so it's true. under the microscope. And it's, I mean, and my thing is this, we have people now during this pandemic, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to equate it to that because mm-hmm. he's the president, he has influence and, you know, things like that. But he's in his 70s, he's lived his life this long. And you have people who they've been on their job for 25, 30 years. This is all the industry they've known. Mm-hmm. Their world is turned upside down based on something that was out of their control. They have a pandemic. They didn't ask for it. They didn't create it. And everybody's like, get over it. Okay. There's hope tomorrow. But this is all they've known. This is the only way they need to provide for their family. Mm-hmm. You just don't have empathy about certain things. So it's like you, you, or we can understand, well, I understand that he doesn't have income. We can have empathy for him. But to imagine you being the president and you find out that this mindset that you grew up with, you may not even agree with anymore, mm-hmm. but you're stuck to where you can't get out of it. And you're doing that in the eyes of the public where you, based on your lack of awareness, you've burned bridges that you didn't even know you were doing out of the reality that you knew to be true, if that makes sense. It would be interesting to one day witness a president deliver a speech where the only words that are said is, I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know how that works. Mm -hmm. What I thought I knew no longer works. And I'm learning just like you. Because I think what's what I find interesting, and this kind of comes with most levels of responsibility, is that, you know, growth change and growth is inevitable, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. it's going to happen regardless. The difference is, are you going to be a participant of it or not? Mm-hmm. And with those things, what I've learned is that as your level of responsibility increases, it's almost like change is no longer accepted in the same way. That mm. you have to have certain things figured out by the time you get to a certain position, by the time you get to a certain age by the time you have gone through a certain level of schooling, when in reality, those are just avenues for you to possibly explore those things. And the real impact could happen X number of years down the road. Mm. For me, I look at my schooling and it's just now setting in. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm right now, 12, 14 years removed from my, middle school and my high school, I'm mm-hmm. able to see the lessons and the golden nuggets that my teachers passed on to me. The ninth grade teacher that stood up in the middle of class and she said, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Mm-hmm. Now is having the impact of allowing me to understand that whatever questions I am seeking answers to, those are all valid. Mm. Think about that. That took me 15 Mm -hmm. years 
to mm-hmm. understand. That's crazy. And mm-hmm. so what's even more crazy is I think this expectancy that wherever you're at right now, you have to have it figured out when in reality, in my opinion, the whole life is about figuring it out. Right. But do you feel like maybe it might've happened sooner if you were encouraged to continue with those questions? Because even though I was told the same thing Mm -hmm. growing up in school Mm -hmm. and for some reason, the notoriety and the praise and accolades went to the people who knew all the answers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, we were told stuff, but the examples that we model are not doing the things that we're told that really give you the freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said in regard to that as far as the examples that we model to move forward in pursuit of our own version of freedom, highest expression, different things that we're trying to accomplish. And also what I'm learning is that just because a certain example has helped you in X, Y, and Z phase, that doesn't mean it's the ultimate one to follow for the rest of your life. People come into your life at different moments. People have Mm -hmm. different reasons for why they're in your life. Someone may be there just to help you see differently in one element. Others may be there to help you develop your voice, to go Mm -hmm. into and try in different fields, public speaking or pursuing different careers, whatever it may be. So people come into your life for different reasons. And when I understood that, that's when I understood that very few, if any, maybe, are truly there for a lifetime. Right. And, you know, I think it's really profound, too, like, as you're saying that, is that, you know, the people that are different, you know, there's no grooming for being different. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you go back, you think about the kids that they said were nerds or, you know, the technical people, you know, mm-hmm. then you've got the uh, athletic uh, people and, um, you know, we are conditioned to be in a herd mentality and to click with somebody. So mm-hmm. when we are, and it's a bad thing to be different, mm-hmm. you know, we're bullied a lot of times about being different, you know? Uh, I mean, this is something we create in our own mind, mm-hmm. you know? Why do you want to start that business? Who's going to listen to you? You're not going to make sense or whatever the things that we ask ourselves. But the true influence and the change can take place when you are different. Mm -hmm. But it takes courage to be different. It does. It takes courage to be different for many reasons. But the Mm -hmm. first one is judgment. Your circle may change. I remember when I started this, my circle changed quickly, very quickly. (laughs) I mean, it was like snap of a finger and I said, whoa, where'd you guys go? Yeah. And that's the thing is, is not everyone wants what you want. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is at the same place where you're at. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone's carrying their own burdens. Mm-hmm. And because of it, I think it, it I mean, it, it, that's what the world, that's the type of world it creates. And I've right. always wondered upon how different would the collective world had been if we chose to embrace the differences and not shy away from them. Right. I now, mean, what, so like, what even, is a difference to begin with? Like, how do you view difference? Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is true because I'm saying, look, people can look at this interview and they can come up with a thousand things that are different. I see a thousand things that are the same. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I think that's profound. I know I just am like, after our first conversation, it's like, I never would have imagined this type of commonality and connection with someone who's not in my age group, not even Mm -hmm. from the same country, Mm -hmm. not even the same gender, so many things that are different and can have a conversation. I I just, you know, it's, it's all about being open to listen to people because we can learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. And everyone and we meet no knows age. something we don't. Yeah, there's no age or something with the, with the thing with uh, learning. Mm-hmm. But so like in your case, with your circle changing, mm-hmm. what do you think, why do you think your circle changed? I think my circle changed because prior to starting the work, I was perceived as one person or had a certain level of assumptions maybe built around who I was. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to share elements of my story, especially my past, what I learned was that my circle changed because some people didn't want my truth to be told through how I saw it because it involved them as characters within that story. And what I've learned through that experience is that people don't want to be seen in a bad light. Even at times where maybe they were. And I think people in my opinion, want to be seen in the highest expression that a human being can be seen. And in that case, that's what I learned from my circle changing and the things that I chose to share, which were 100% more of who I truly was Hmm. and what gave me fuel, what gave me energy, And what I chose to do moving forward is it took a while. It's still at first, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. I would be lying if it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But then I just kind of said to myself that, so what? It doesn't mean that I can't find my tribe. It does not mean that I will not find other people who think the way that I do, who can challenge my thinking in a constructive way. And then it went down even deeper and it's the desire to please other people. Mm -hmm. Why? 
Why? And that's the question I ask myself. Why create communities? Why create groups where your sole purpose there is to please others and to make yeah. sure that what you are saying is in alignment with today's agenda, today's level of thinking, when in reality, most times I think I'm not here to align. I'm here to expand. I'm here mm. to challenge. I'm here to question. I'm here to grow. And growth, what I've learned most times doesn't happen when all you say is, I agree, I agree, I agree. Mm -hmm. Because it's also what I'm learning and what conversation that you and I had made me realize is that it's okay to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. That's part of change. That's part of growth. Mm -hmm. Even in situations when you and I may not see the same thing, through the same exact lens, that doesn't make you wrong and it doesn't make me right or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It just is. Mm -hmm. But yet the fact that we're able to find the common thread and similarity and continue to build off of and expand, that's the cool part about life to me. Mm -hmm. Is that regardless of what the circumstances are, regardless of where you were born, regardless of what the events that you had experienced in life, you can still create an open space where both of you can mm -hmm. understand each other and move the conversation forward. Yeah. Well, you know, like, and even just it's profound how you would say like right and wrong, you know, something about those words just really bugged me. At first mm -hmm. I used to, it's so constrictive, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you could say, you know, we could describe an elephant. And if I'm looking at the back of the elephant and you're looking at the front, we're going to have a different description, but we're talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we could be dead set on what you're saying is not right because this is what I see. You know, we just can be so stuck on who's right and who's wrong. Mm -hmm. rather than just recognizing that it just is. So instead of saying, you know, even just limiting it, you know, what is your observation might be a different question mm -hmm. rather than, you know, are you right or wrong? Because that is just so restrictive. It just doesn't give people a space to say, what am I getting these facts for? Or what am I getting this information to do? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always analyzing why certain information is coming to light. It's a matter of what are we going to do with this information? Yeah. And so much of the world, in my opinion, it's not black and white. It's right. gray. I mean, something that you and I even spoke about during our last conversation in regard right. to character. Yeah. You know, like what we, we, I think we, character, it was interesting how you actually shared it mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the values. Yes, there, there are things that it's a yes or no, like integrity. Mm -hmm. Right. But then outside of those things, some of the categories, they, that system doesn't apply. Some right. things truly are gray. There is no black yeah. or white. 
but yet mm-hmm. we're we're taught to think in a black or white. I mean, voting, blue or red. Right. Do you want this? Yes or no? There's no maybe. Right. So, so it's interesting yeah. how that works. And actually, one of the things that I would like for you to expand upon was that conversation that you had you and I had had around character. And my question mm-hmm. to you is, through your experience, why do you think that one is more black and white rather than gray? Because I think it can be clearly defined, you know, so let's just take the issue of integrity, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's a definition that people can all agree and understand what that means. So integrity may be a big word. So maybe we can just say um, a lie or the truth, mm-hmm. right? Honesty, mm-hmm. right? And so you're either honest or you're not honest. You know, there is no in-between. You can't be halfway telling the truth and not. <laughs> However, society society has conditioned us to, um, what's the word I want to say? Uh, accommodate untruthfulness as a part of character. Oh, they just told a little white lie. It's something that we will acknowledge that it's not true, but we minimize the value of it and will allow people to get away with that so you know like even just the case where they're talking about the man's character who's the policeman certain Mm -hmm. things that he was doing in the past you know just a slap on the wrist or whatever the case is well we are perpetuating that system and i'm I'm not going to necessarily say we because certain things we're not the decision maker on Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to the police department, the standards and things that they uh, try to instill in their staff, mm-hmm. they're allowing that. Now, yeah, we try to vote, keep people in office. But the issue is that is what they are in that position for is to maintain a level of consequences and action in order for that to be run smoothly and successfully. Mm. so we sometimes take on the burden like we have people protesting and and bringing up their voices because they feel like that particular uh area has not been doing their job correctly however Mm -hmm. the reason why i'm not out there and i mean some people may have a problem with it it's because to me i recognize the importance of dealing with the decision makers Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm not one who just does things that don't really have a, what's the word I want to say? A direct outcome related to what I'm doing. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. if I'm hungry, I'm going to go in there and cook some food and eat. I'm not going to go run a marathon because I'm hungry just to be doing something. You see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you want to think about what is the outcome you want? Who are the decision makers for that? 
what is the chain that you should be following? And I look at historic things because patterns tell you something. So one of the things we, a lot of people say is it's been 400 years. Well, when you go back and look at the pattern, what have we done? We've seen people protest before. Mm-hmm. We've seen people blackout. I mean, I'm not saying blackout, but you know, it's like they don't uh, patronize stuff, mm-hmm. right? Boycott okay, is the word I'm thinking of. So if we've done that in the past and we still perpetuate in a mindset, it's 400 years later. I'm on the side to where I don't want to keep repeating the same thing. I want to do something different mm-hmm. because I want to change. Not, I don't want to just repeat what other people were doing just for the sake of doing something. If I see it's not getting any <laughs> results, I just think something's crazy with that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So even like the term social distancing, we, we say words that are, paradoxical that don't even make sense we're physically distant but we are conditioning our culture to accept things that don't make sense as if it makes sense Mm. you know we got this show one of the things now i used to watch this show with my kids it was uh real housewives Mm -hmm. right so they've got real housewives of atlanta Real Housewives. I started with doing Real Housewives of Orange County, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) this was pre-depression, okay? And half of the people on there weren't even housewives. But the show was called Real Housewives. (laughs) I mean, mean, this is the kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, how many, how many, we do this a lot. We accept things that are not true. We change definitions of things as if it's real. We accept it. And then it's like, we wonder why we're at the juncture we are. We wonder why (laughs) kids are confused. You know what I'm saying? We wonder why kids are confused. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny because it's so true. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, like I said, the reason why this happens for me is because I have kids. Mm-hmm. So they'll say, well, mommy, what's a housewife? Well, that's somebody who's married and <laughs> stays home. Okay, well, is, where's her husband at? She's not married. Well, why is she on the show? Why <laughs> is the show called that if, nobody, if not everybody's a housewife? See, that's what I'm saying. So people wonder, these are the questions that I'm asked. And it makes me wonder, based on the curiosity of my kids, however, the blessing I feel being post-depression is that I'm in a space where I can listen and really value what they're asking me. So many times Mm -hmm. I was taught as a kid that kids are seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. So you have certain questions that you just don't ask adults. You know, you know, the questions are for now, if it's school related or whatever, but that's adult conversation. Whereas, so your voice was kind of buried at that point because certain mm-hmm. things you just didn't ask. Yeah. But um, when you're in the space to really 
have somebody ask you a question and you're really, you ponder that question yourself before answering it, you can learn a lot just by listening to other people and the questions they ask. Mm-hmm. Michelle, what is the best way or what are some ways that people can get in touch with your work and what do you have coming up that people can be a part of? Actually, the best way to get a hold of me is through Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. I've got all those different uh, platforms. Um, right now, I'm in the process of doing master classes. I do those through Facebook groups. Um, I also have, um, I'm just really passionate about really educating people about mental wellness and being in a space to where you can overcome your own limiting beliefs. Mm. Um, so I do have um, one-on-one coaching that I do as well as group coaching for those that are interested. And I also have my own podcast. Awesome. We'll make sure to yeah. include all those links in it. And the thing that you mentioned about self-limiting beliefs, it's such a fascinating concept because in my opinion, we all experience them. And they come in so many different shapes and so many different sizes. Even the concept of I can't do this or I'm not good enough or I can't do this because of not smart enough, not strong enough and all these things. And so I, I think if there's anything that I've learned and I would actually love for you to expand upon that perspective as far as what you think on it. But I believe that our... I believe that the only limit is you truly as a being. I mean, mm-hmm. when, you talk, when we talk about stories and different things that we form, we're the ones that form them most of the time. Right. Right. I, I agree. I mean, I uh, even talked about, uh, I do these one minute videos and I did one on imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even that term itself, you know, a lot of people expect, you know, they say, oh, yeah, fake it till you make it. That's one of the mantras that they tell you. I was uh, on a call with somebody who was struggling with depression, and we were, it was a group Zoom get together. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that was quote unquote a coach was like, well, you just have to say these affirmations, and I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but you just got to keep saying these things till you believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is the kind of stuff that we tell people and then we wonder why we're not getting results or they're doubting their own lack of transformation for people telling them the wrong thing mm-hmm. so the issue I have with that is that it's back to character because why do you want to fake anything until you make it how do you know you're making it if you're faking it I mean it's just kind of a crazy concept, right? Mm-hmm. So the issue is that we just have to empower ourselves to be the best version of ourselves, even though we don't have anybody that's just like us mm-hmm. around. So this is what I struggled with, with being a stay-home mom, which led to my depression was that I didn't have anybody around that looked like my reality. You know, the only thing was soap operas. And so I didn't have another example 
so I felt like it was either that way or I don't know. I just don't know how well I'm going to do with this because I didn't have any other example. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of us saying it's not a matter of a comparison, it's just a matter of being. And once we begin to do that, then we can aspire and look for the people that can help us on that journey. So if I want to be a podcaster, instead of recognizing that people around me don't do podcasting, then I research those that are and ask them, how do they do what they do? Mm-hmm. You know, and they can tell me about the industry, the craft, but there's thousands of podcasters. I don't have to feel threatened on an industry platform because I know enough to be who I am. It's just that maybe certain things about the industry are uh, a limiting belief that I get with them to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And most times, if you ask for help, you will receive it. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.